What's the attraction to living forever? It doesn't just exist in people of faith, it exists in the world too. We see that in a number of different ways that women particularly, but some men as well, looking for the perfect face cream that's going to keep the wrinkles away and stay younger longer, or to find the perfect diet that's going to keep you healthiest the longest. Some people are even going to lengths of freezing their bodies when they die with the hope that technology will advance and they can revive them in time, that there's this attraction to living forever. And obviously we have that, or hopefully we have that as Christians, a desire to live forever. And that is something that has been part of humanity maybe since the beginning of humanity, this desire to live forever. But when we think of that desire rooted in the world and the way that that's pursued, or even sometimes in a life of faith, what's the goal? Well, in the world with youthful looks and the perfect diet, it's trying to maintain what we would believe is the best years of our life. When I looked it up, apparently it's right around my age, so I'm in the prime of my life. We'll see. Hopefully I've got years left to go. But it's trying to maintain and hold on to what is seemingly the best years of life, where everything is at its best performance. And in a life of faith, sometimes that's seen through longing for heaven so that we can get to the place where we are promised there is no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears. But is this really possible? Is it really possible to hold on to that way of longing for eternal life, whether that's in the world or in a life of faith. Because what is the goal of that way of approaching the desire for eternal life? Unfortunately, it's rooted in ourselves. The desire to hold on to the prime of life is a desire to hold on to what works best for me. And even if extending a lifespan for much longer, many more decades than what we currently have, what would you still experience? Even if you didn't have to experience the effects of aging, you would still lose people that you love. There's still a loss that comes in that. And then in a life of faith, is it really possible to get to heaven Without avoid, with avoiding any kind of pain and suffering. That we want God's promise for us of this eternal life to come sooner rather than later so that we can escape this difficulty and this hardship in life. Is that attraction to be living forever really plausible or even real? And when we look to Jesus today in the Gospel, we see that it's not. First, we see Jesus with his apostles. And the moment that he mentions that they're going to go back towards Jerusalem, what do they all say? What are you thinking? They just tried to stone you to death. What are they going to do if you go back? Jesus is not avoiding the suffering that's coming his way. He goes anyway. And then the odd decision that Jesus makes that even when he's told that his good friend Lazarus is on the point of death, he waits two more days 
before he starts to make the journey to the house of Mary and Martha. Why? And then he doesn't even avoid the suffering for himself because what is his reaction when he sees the grief of all of his friends and he sees the tomb of Lazarus? It says twice that he's greatly disturbed in spirit and Jesus weeps. And so even though he knows what he's going to do for the glory of God, which is to raise Lazarus from the dead, he doesn't avoid the suffering, the hardship, the difficulty for those around him or for himself. The loss and the difficulty are part of the picture. Think about it this way. I'm sure probably none of you here, but I'm sure family and friends around you are starting to complain about winter now. It's almost the end of March. We had a small taste of spring this past week, and now it comes back again. When is winter ever going to end? When are we going to get over this and start to get to the blissful summer months? But what are the advantages? What are the gifts of winter for us? We can't forget that the amount of snow that we get is absolutely essential for our farmers in the way that it creates moisture in the ground right from the beginning of spring. We can't forget that having multiple days of minus 40 is essential if we want to enjoy a more blissful summer without bugs. Wintertime, we also sleep better. Did you know that the cold makes your brain work better? They even say that you can run better outside in colder weather. It makes your muscles activate better. And there's even studies that are pointing to the fact that living in a colder environment will actually make you live longer. So this death of winter might actually bring life. See, our temptation is to try to skip over, to jump over the hardship, to move past it. But what Jesus shows us, what our faith shows us, is that in the death, there is life. And when we look at that specifically around the scrutinies with our elect in the parish that are preparing for full initiation into the life of the church, what are the sacraments that initiate us into the life of the church. Baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. And for those of you who've been at the 830 Mass following the scrutinies with the elect for the last few weeks, what have been the Gospels? The woman at the well, the blind man that is cured, and today Lazarus raised from the dead. The woman at the well and the waters of eternal life, baptism. The blind man who is made to see the world as it is, confirmation. And Lazarus being raised from the dead, the Eucharist, eternal life. And each sacrament that we live in the church, we can find in the cross. We find baptism in the water that comes out of Christ's side when he's pierced with the lance. We see confirmation when we hear that Jesus gives up his spirit to the Father. We see the Eucharist as he gives his whole self to us as a gift and the blood that pours out from his side and fills the chalice that we partake at the altar. 
See, the gift of eternal life that we cling to as Christians, this desire, this attraction to eternal life, is that God is present in the suffering. Because what do we see in all three of these Gospels for the scrutinies? The woman at the well, the blind man, and today Lazarus? <clears throat> the woman in the well, Jesus says, when she asks, are you the Messiah? He says, I am he. When, they, when it, they ask him about the blind man, he says, I am the light of the world. And today when Martha approaches Jesus, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And in the Gospel of John, every time you hear Jesus say, I am something, what should come to mind is Moses on the mountain saying, Lord, what do I tell the people your name is? I am who I am. Jesus is saying, I am God in your midst present to you and weeping with you in your suffering. And every time you partake of a sacrament, I am with you in the life that you live. Because as St. Paul says today, we are not of the flesh, we are of the spirit. Which means that the spirit of God is given to us in this life, even now, so that we can be with him forever. The attraction to eternal life that we are supposed to cling to and long for is not just escaping from suffering and tears and pain. We escape those things in heaven because we are in God. We are with God. That's what the sacraments point us to, is a life in Christ. That's what we turn to. That's what we long for. That's what we search for in our midst. Because Jesus transforms every death into life. The death of winter that still has the possibility to give life. And as we reflect now and all the way to Good Friday, the cross again and again. Death that becomes life. <clears throat>